um, they actually went to the United States and spent time preaching and evangelizing there, <laughs> but it wasn't a success. And Charles's people skills were so good that apparently this woman actually like shot at him <laughs> while he was speaking one time. <laughs> um, it was just like silly things. Like he insisted that to baptize an infant, you had to dunk it three times, like full immerse this child three times. And people were just like, Charles, really? Um, <laughs> the only thing you're supposed to dunk three times is a donut. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funke. And I'm Cara Devereaux. And in today's episode, we will finally be looking into one of Charles Wesley's greatest hymns. We'll be talking about Charles Wesley's conversion, touching on why some Christians don't actually like him, and of course, discussing the wonderful hymn and Can It Be. But first, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, like this video, share this video. We are also found wherever you listen to podcasts. Most importantly, if you haven't already, head over to himpartial.com to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. This brings the episodes plus fun bonus content directly into your inbox. Very little effort is required. Just make sure you head over to himpartial.com and sign up today. Hey, and can it be that we're finally doing an episode <laughs> on one of my all-time favorite hymns? Um, <laughs> yes, it can. Uh, if I'd known about <laughs> this hymn at the time, I would have chosen it as my baptism hymn, actually. Wow. Um, but anyway, today we're talking about and can it be. So, Monet, have you got any particular attachment to this hymn other than the fact that it's just the best? <laughs> do you love this song or do you love this song <laughs> I think as you can tell I, I'm pretty on the fence about it <laughs> yeah you know I like this song I can't say that it super jumps out as me like as like a favorite but I think once we probably go through the lyrics that's gonna that's probably gonna change I really enjoy singing this song and I feel like this is a great congregational kind of like you know belted out um uh, song, especially when it splits into the two parts. So it's a very fun song to sing. Um, that's my feelings on I'm that. I'm going to persuade you. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, I actually thought, um, because these are the weird things that go through my head um, <laughs> as my poor flatmate is learning, um, I thought this song would actually be a really good final song for the closing of the first act of a musical. Like if you did a musical that was like set in the Reformation or something. And then you'd have like that one person singing, just a lone voice singing the first bit. And then you'd like, with each verse, you kind of like bring in the orchestra and more voices and more voices and more voices until you had like the full choir singing the final I, verse. I actually can see that. Yeah. Someone out there who's listening, who <laughs> writes musicals, write me a Reformation musical with And Can It Be's the finale. Yes, please Thank do. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on a more serious note, uh, let's have a look at Wesley. Because uh, mm -hmm. we've, um, we have talked about his song Hark the Herald back in one mm -hmm. of our Christmas episodes. Mm -hmm. But we haven't actually kind of done a full episode focused on one of his hymns yet. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd give you a quick introduction. He was born 18th of December, 1707. Um, and his mother, Susanna, was 
really quite worried about him because he was premature. Um, And the story goes that it was on his actual due date that he finally opened his eyes and they were all like, yes, he's going to be okay. Um, The other interesting thing about Charles was that he was the 18th out of 19 children. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't work out how many of them had actually survived infancy, but you know, that's a busy household. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah, he did grow up in a Christian home, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1735, when he was a bit older, he and his brother John Wesley mm. took orders in the Church of England. So basically, they kind of became ministers. Mm. And they actually went to the United States and spent time preaching and evangelizing there. <laughs> but it wasn't a success. And Charles's people skills were so good that apparently this woman actually like shot at him <laughs> while he was speaking one time. <laughs> um, it was just like silly things. Like he insisted that to baptize an infant, you had to dunk it three times, like full oh. immerse this child three times. And people were just like, Charles, really? Um, <laughs> the only thing you're supposed to dunk three times is a donut. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if donuts were invented back then, but someone should have told him. Anyway, he was not popular because he was a little bit intense. Mm -hmm. But he also wasn't saved, so... um, Yeah, they ordained him before he was actually saved. I think I remember you saying this. That's really shady. It's (laughs) so shady, but frankly, I'm just going to say it. There are so many ministers in the church of scotland right now that aren't saved that it's no big surprise it just i guess it goes like how can i say this and not get in trouble (laughs) i think you have to be careful with very established denominations that kind of have their hands in uh i don't know property government you know kind of because then they're perpetuating like almost a business instead of the gospel. So you have a lot of folks that shouldn't be up on the pulpit. In fairness to the Church of England, Charles and John were both extremely religious at the time. Mm. So it's quite possible that they could have Mm -hmm. uh, said all the right things and looked very much like they were Mm -hmm. uh, walking the right walk, but they weren't, neither of them were saved. Mm. Um, And it would be three years before Charles was saved. He was staying with his friend um, because he was ill. And while he wasn't able to do much, he was reading Galatians Mm -hmm. along with Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. Mm -hmm. And in his own words, he says, I labored, waited and prayed to feel who loved me and gave himself for me. At midnight, I gave myself to Christ, assured that I was safe, whether sleeping or waking, I had the continual experience of his power to overcome all temptation. And I confessed with joy and surprise that he was able to do it exceedingly abundantly for me above what I could ask or think. Mm. Which to me sounds like he well and truly got it yeah. at that point. Uh. Um, and he wrote a little while later in his journal, I now found myself at peace with God with, and rejoice um, in the hope of loving Christ. It's a bit scary, you know, that like someone could be that that deep into the faith without faith. You know, like that deep into the the way, I should say, without 
new life. Yeah, it does make you kind of step back and take stock and think, like, what's really going on in my own heart? Mm. Like, it's so easy. And again, back then, everybody was kind of vaguely Christian. Mm -hmm. So it would be easy enough to think that you were part of that without actually being part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So three days after he was saved, his brother John, uh, who he was very close with all his life, was also saved separately. Um, so that was really cool that yeah. it just three days apart. Um, two days after his conversion, Charles actually wrote two hymns, one of which is believed to be And Can It Be? Hmm. Um, and that was the beginning of his hymn writing career. He would go on to write more than 6,000 hymns, which makes him our most prolific writer yet, but only because we haven't touched on Fanny Crosby. Yeah, we haven't officially talked about her, only unofficially. Yeah. So this is slightly weird, but he was married to a girl who was 19 years his younger. Okay. uh, Which wasn't unusual back then, Mm -mm. but for us it's a bit odd. But it seems to have worked for them. They Mm -hmm. had eight children, but only three of them survived. Mm. Um, It was difficult for them. But of the three that survived, the two boys were pretty much musical prodigies. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened to the daughter. There wasn't really much on her. But Charles died in 1788 at the good old age of 80. Okay. Nice long life. Yeah. I think... It's only fair to say, um, as we talk about him, that there are those who didn't like the Wesley brothers and won't have anything to do with them because they did have very strong Arminian theology. Mm. Um, But I would say that Charles wrote some great hymns. Mm -hmm. And I think as always, like as long as we pay attention to what we're singing and we think about it critically, it's it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. As we should all hymns, (laughs) no matter who writes them. We should be that way, definitely. Yeah, so the hymn, as I said before, and can it be, was written pretty much straight after Wesley's conversion. And if you read the lyrics, it tells, it's a song full of wonder at what God has done in Mm -hmm. sending Christ and marveling at how that applies to us as believers. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't really surprise you that um, this song was actually originally published under the title Free Grace. Okay. Yeah, no. It doesn't. I mean, it it doesn't. I'm not surprised, but it works. You know? Yeah. It's one of those songs that had a title, but it kind of ended up becoming known by its first line. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole thing that I need to understand better. Because again, not coming from a hymn tradition, it feels kind of like, surely they could have thought of a title. But... They probably did in half the cases. They just started referring to songs by the first line because it's easier. Don't know. Do if we you ever know... do that now? Like, do we do that with pop songs? I'm just trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so awkward, probably, because the pop song lyrics are terrible. Imagine that you'd just be like, have you heard that new hit by Taylor Swift, I Stay Up Too Late? <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's not terrible. I was thinking like Britney Spears. That shows my age. Uh, I was oh, trying baby, to think baby. of ones that didn't sound <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound too dodgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is uh, probably one of Wesley's best known hymns. Others that he's well known for would be things like "Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing." Mm, yeah, 
and Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. A little bit more of a Christmas one, slightly more obscure. I think I've heard it. Maybe you had mentioned it on the show and I heard it, but I did, I don't think I've sung it myself at church. I don't think so. I haven't sung it in years at church. It's, mm. it's not like a... Some people sing it a lot. The Methodists, because John and Wesley, John and Wesley, John Wesley <laughs> and Charles Wesley <laughs> founded the Methodist movement. It's very yes. common in, in Methodist hymn books. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Fun fact about And Can It Be was that it was voted number six in the Songs of Praise top 100 hymns. Really? Yeah. So if you're not from the UK, uh, Songs of Praise is like this BBC program where they just film it in a fancy church and like a bunch of people just sing old hymns yeah. and it's kind of like the religious top of the pops for BBC listeners <laughs> but yeah so there you go number six out of a hundred wow yeah so there's not really much to say about the actual writing of the hymn since Charles himself never really said much about it uh, so we move on to the words and Monet mm. would you mind reading those for us yeah, yeah. If you listen carefully, there is a bonus verse that I had never heard before. Yeah, see, we've got six verses here. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? He died for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Tis mystery all. The immortal dies. Who can explore his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all. Let earth adore. Let angel minds inquire no more. He left his father's throne above. So free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Still, the small inward voice I hear, that whispers all my sins forgiven, Still the atoning blood is near that quenched the wrath of hostile heaven. I feel the life his wounds impart. I feel the Savior in my heart. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. That song makes me so happy. <laughs> I was just realizing, yeah, actually, this song has one of my favorite ver verses. It's verse four, especially the end that we sing with the girl part. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. But that whole verse is really, really good. Mm. I really like just the what we would normally sing is, is the fourth and the fifth verse. So the fourth and the last verse where you've got the... Um, my chains fell off and then you've got no condemnation mm. it's just oh it's something else mm. yeah so uh this is actually just such a fantastic statement of faith um and the story of salvation told through poetry if you remember back 
to the episode on when I survey the wondrous cross we talked about how no one really used the pronoun I in songs back then mm. Uh, but this hymn is full of wonder at the personal nature of salvation, not nature and uh, not um, salvation in general, but salvation for me that I should gain that he died for me, that I didn't just cause his death. I pursued him to it. And yet I gained from his blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me kind of of the line in uh, Stuart Townend's song, the um, uh, what's it called? How great, how deep the Father's love for us. What is the line where he says? Is it uh, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call yeah. out among the scoffers? Yeah, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. It almost feels like. You know, I don't know. This is like a cliche of 90s uh, teen films where they would like hold a kid's head under the water in the toilet. What was it called? It was called a. Oh, I don't remember what it was called, like a swirly or something like that. But it's like you're for like you're forcing this this pain on him until it was accomplished. I know that's not don't 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 at me with theological corrections, but that's just the image that comes to my mind when I think about that verse. And this song kind of reminds me of that as well. Yeah, we should talk about that Stuart Townend song at some point, like, noted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, this whole song, it's just, it's a meditation on Christ's saving work in our lives. And it's great because it covers the basics of salvation, but it's also probably still popular just because it resonates with every believer. Because mm. every Christian should be able to sing this hymn and say, yeah, that's true of me too. Um, it's kind of like a, a sermon and a testimony and a praise song all kind of rolled into one. Yeah, and I guess the 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 top line and the name of the song and can it be is kind of like it it shows that um, there's a big word I'm thinking of that's on the tip of my tongue. It it shows that kind of like un unbelief is not the right word. What is the word, Cara? Help. You know, like amazement. Like, un- oh yeah, no, I know the word, but you I can't it. It's like it's so incredulous. Like, can yep. it be that like this happened? Like, wait, I, I caused the sin that took me to the cross. Like, really? And then he, he, like, he died for me, and I pursued him to death. And then, wow, amazing! It's like it's so in- it's so incredulous that this is true. And I think that's why it resonates with so many Christians because true uh, repentance and true belief leads you to these thoughts like, what, me, why? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, you, like, you're the God of the universe. You died for me? Like, this is insane, yeah. you know? I think part of you is just kind of like, what? Like, the God of the universe, right? And then he came into the world and then I killed him. And then he's like, you benefit from that. And you're just yeah. like, how I, I killed? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. It's-, it's like once you get past the offense, like the offensiveness of the gospel that you, that you are uh, a sinner and you need to repent, like you cannot make your way. Once you get past, like when you get over yourself and you actually see the good news of the gospel, but there's a way now for you to be reconciled with God, given all that you've done, you still could be right with him. That's the immediate thought. Like, wow. You know, I think this is a slight tangent, but when people say, Oh, it's so terrible of God to condemn people, 
this is um, one of the things I think of. I'm kind of like, actually, it's a miracle that he bothered to uncondemn <laughs> any yeah. of us. So exactly. <laughs> you're looking at it backwards. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so the first verse, it opens with wonder, like we said, um, and it's emphasized by numerous rhetoric questions around the theme of like, how does this even happen? Um, it is incredible that we who caused his death are the ones who benefit from it. It just, wow. <laughs> there are some who don't like the line that thou my god would die for me because hmm. they think it's like some sort of modalism um so modalism is where you believe that god is one mm-hmm. but he takes three different forms consecutively so he started out as the father he became the son and then he became the spirit so they don't all three exist at the same time they kind of take it in turns um it's not modalism there's no evidence for it being Mm -hmm. modalism he's just acknowledging that christ is god God. yeah yeah jesus was fully man but he was also fully god so there's not actually anything wrong with that line it's intended to have impact Mm -hmm. um there were things that i would personally disagree with about the wesley brothers theology Mm -hmm. but i can't find any evidence that they were actually modalists yeah um So verse two continues with the wonder, but this time with exclamations of mystery and mercy. Mm. And you've got this great paradox of the immortal dying. Even the angels are scratching their head at it. Yeah. Um, And that actually comes from 1 Peter 1 verse 12. Monet, if you could read that. So 1 Peter 1 verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Yeah, so that's where um, the angel minds inquire no more line mm-hmm. comes from. This uh, song is really, really chock full of scriptural references, but we kind of don't really have time to go through them all. Um <laughs> So verses three to four kind of move into a more personal narrative with verse three talking about Christ's work on the cross, which is based on Philippians two verses five to eight. Um, And verse four talks about the consequences of what happened on the cross, which is our salvation. And that draws from Peter's rescue in Acts 12 verse six to 11, in which Peter is stuck in jail and then in the middle of the night, the angel comes and um, busts him out, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I think pretty much every believer can understand this image on a spiritual level, um, because before we're saved, we're in darkness and chains, and it takes God stepping in for us to be freed. Yeah. And then, of course, you can't help but want to rise, go forth and follow him for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. And then we come to the extra verse and I'm just going to get Monet to read that out again in case you missed it the first time round. Yep. Um, it's, I guess, verse five. Yeah. Still the small inward voice I hear that whispers all my sins forgiven. Still the atoning blood is near that quenched the wrath of hostile heaven. I feel the life his wounds impart. I feel the savior in my heart. Any thoughts on that? Um, I, I think 
I understand what he's saying. I think at the end there, I feel the savior in my heart is a line that makes me think of like the call to ask Jesus into your heart, which is, you know, it's like a whole thing uh, about the the validity of that kind of call. I don't know. So so I'm a little twitchy on that line, but I mean, seems all right. Maybe I'm missing something. (laughs) No, you're right. Um, Before he was saved, Wesley actually had an interest in spiritual things, as I mentioned earlier, but he never had assurance. He longed for it, but he just couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. Um, So much so that when he was at Oxford, he and some of his friends started what was known as the Holy Club. (laughs) in which they basically tried their utmost to follow God's law as closely as possible. And they kind of like banded together and encouraged each other in this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, needless to say that they weren't saved. So it didn't really actually do them much good. And it certainly didn't make them any happier or holier. Mm. But (laughs) this verse um, is kind of, there's imagery there from places like Romans 3.25, in which we're shown how God's wrath was turned away by Christ's sacrifice. This verse was actually taken out by John Wesley in his 1780 hymnal. Yeah. No one's really sure why, Mm. uh, but it's thought that he thought it was too personal Mm. um, and he didn't think it contributed much to the overall hymn. Hmm. So... Whereas I would have expected maybe some of the more reformed types to get twitchy about the idea of feeling. (laughs) No, like in those last two lines, it's like, I feel the life and I feel the savior. And like you say about the kind of um, almost altar call style. Yeah. Yeah. Undertones. Um, But actually, no, it was his brother who was kind of just like, yeah, it's too personal. So. Yeah. I mean, it. It doesn't not add something to the song. Um, and yeah, thinking about the the intimate closeness we have with God, like that's always great. I mean, c- considering the full like kind of journey of the song, that makes sense to be like, no, and, and I hear it in, you know, that my sins are forgiving. I'm hearing that. Not like I hear voices, not like God is talking to me, not like that, but in like that kind of, like you said, assurance way, the Holy Spirit being there to confirm that, um, that utter forgiveness that you have in Christ. Yeah. I mean, the first four lines, I'm kind of like, I could sing that this, the last two, I'm kind of like, Hmm. I might tweak them. Like if I was going to sing them, I might tweak them a little bit. Uh, but I just, really? I love that line. Still the atoning blood is near that quenched the wrath of hostile heaven. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the line. I feel the life, his wounds impart. Yeah. It is tying that work on the cross directly to your, your new birth. It's, you know, it's like, yeah. That did something. It wasn't just cruel. It like that actually it gives yeah. you know, they say, it gives me life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's true though. Yeah. I wonder if you could change it so that it's I feel the life his wounds in part. I know the savior in my heart. Yeah. But we're not allowed to change someone else's lyrics. <laughs> oh yeah. And if you remember the um Hark the Herald 
episode yeah. Charles Wesley got really raging about people messing with that so exactly so I can't do it <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is an interesting um verse mm-hmm, and it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting that it wasn't really pulled out for any theological issues by people later on it was just his brother like you're getting all <laughs> yeah anyway stop being so, so the, sentimental <laughs> yeah so uh, then of course it all climaxes in glory and glory. <laughs> this is only made possible because of this great mystery and mercy described in the song and you got references to 2 Corinthians 5.21 for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him and Romans 8.1 therefore there is now no condemnation mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and it's just it's lovely that the hymn ends with the line through Christ my own because mm-hmm. that's a summary of all that this hymn is talking about. It's through Christ and Christ alone that we're saved and he becomes our own. Yep. And with that in mind and the beautiful words of this hymn still ringing in our ears, I think there's no better place to end than Ephesians three fourteen to 19, if you would, Monet. I will. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. 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 You know, I do think you kind of convinced me a little bit more. Um, The tune is a good tune. The lyrics are very, very good. Um, And maybe, maybe we need to sneak in that missing verse, you know, to try to, you know, change it to, I know that (laughs) that is in my heart uh, to let it pass the muster. But um, thank you so much for giving us that background, Cara. Um, it, it's a, it is a really lovely song and really interesting l- life of, of Mr. Wesley. So I think um, I definitely will appreciate that more on a Sunday. Um, and until next time, we hope that you enjoy this song even more now. It's really fun to look up the lyrics and compare them to scripture and just to see how rich uh, these old hymns are. Uh, to sing on a Sunday. So let us know if you like this hymn even more now in the comments. Don't forget to like and share this episode. Um, But until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.